You're listening to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Your host, Jennifer Hofferberg, is an award-winning veteran special educator who shares her experience, knowledge, and passion to help other special educators survive and thrive in this profession. Join her and other guests as they share tips and tricks of the trade for the ever-crazy, completely overwhelming, laugh-so-you-don't-cry profession of being a special education teacher. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Sped Prep Academy podcast. I'm so thankful you have chosen to take time out of your busy schedule to listen in every week and learn from me. I truly love being able to have a platform where I can reach other special educators just like yourself who are invested in themselves enough to seek out professional development and grow both professionally and personally. In this episode, I'm joined by Hallie Sherman. Hallie is a speech-language pathologist who joins us to give tips on supporting students with language but also to support us as teachers as to how we can work even more effectively with our own SLPs in our buildings. Hallie and I will be discussing the importance of speech services in schools, common issues with students who receive those services, and how language impacts our students within their academic areas. Hallie will also be sharing some practical ways to assist students in the classroom and will be discussing what she needs from special education teachers like us in order to provide the best support possible. So let's hear from Hallie. Welcome to the Sped Prep Academy podcast, Hallie. Thank you so much for having me. So I shared in the intro that you are not the typical type of guest that I usually have on the show, but our worlds definitely cross paths on a regular, consistent basis. So I wanted to have you on the show as an SLP who works with many different special education teachers to give us a better insight into your world and how we can better work as a team unit. But before we get started, would you share a little bit about yourself and your experience within the field of special education? Sure. So, I, hi, I'm Hallie Sherman. I'm a speech-language pathologist in New York, and I work full-time in a public school on Long Island working with fifth and sixth grade students. However, I have experience working with preschool through high school. And yes, I work directly in the special education department of my district where I'm servicing the students that receive speech and language services on their IEPs. So, I learned early on in my career that there is a lot of SLPs struggling when it comes to working with the older speech students. And once I started figuring out how to keep them motivated and to teach them differently than how they've been taught before, that's when I started my blog and my Teachers Pay Teacher store about 11 years ago, Speech Time Fun. And that's where I also, I have a podcast, SLP Coffee Talk, and where I'm always trying to help SLPs plan with ease and confidence without burning themselves out because... Hey, it's it's possible. So, yeah, yeah, it's definitely possible. Well, I got to be a guest on the SLP Coffee Talk podcast with you, and now I have the pleasure of interviewing you. So, not all of the students that we work with have speech services on their IEPs, but a good handful of a caseload will. So, I asked you to come on the show today to talk to us about how to work with you as an SLP and what we can do as special educators and the primary providers on those IEPs to support you. So, first off, let's talk about why students get speech services in the first place. I know that a lot of teachers will complain that, you know, that the student isn't receiving services when they are still having some articulation errors or they don't understand why you're still pulling them when they don't have any articulation errors. So I think there's just a lot of confusion with special education teachers in general about your services. So can you talk a little bit about the speech services that students get in the schools? Sure. So in order for a student to receive speech services in the schools, they have to, one, be uh, significantly 
delayed. So it has to be uh, two standard deviations below the mean or one, depending on the different states and districts requirements. But it also has to be adversely impacting their academics in order for the funding to be there to um, provide the service. So yes, as SLPs, we work in a variety of settings. We could work in a clinic, a hospital, a nursing home, and there's different requirements to receive services in all those different settings. So Often, when a student just has articulation errors, if it's not the cause of them failing per se, it's very hard to justify like, oh, because socially it's impacting them. Like, there's no number I can put on there with a standardized test that says, well, because it's very, very hard to do so. So oftentimes, especially as they get older, it's very hard to qualify for speech services just for articulation, especially if it's just one or two sounds. Now, if it's a lot of sounds that are impacting their intelligibility, a lot easier to qualify in the schools. So most of the time as students get older, um, the ones that are still receiving speech is because of their language needs. And the lang- language we know is an integral part of learning and academic success. I mean, we know that in order to be an efficient reader, they need to have adequate language skills, vocabulary, sentence structure, background knowledge, all that phonological awareness, all those things are necessary to be an effective reader. So that's where we fit into the mix, where a student is not picking up on it with regular academic exposure. And then, so whether it's the student might have come in through early intervention and the preschool age where they were maybe just a late talker, or maybe just as part of the IEP process, the IEP team realized that there might be more to the picture than just you know, difficulty with decoding and reading, and they decided to bring in an SLP in to decide if there was more um, that we can do for this child. So at me with the older students, that is what I'm receiving is I have maybe one or two articulation students on my caseload. The rest are really working on vocabulary, sentence structure, mm-hmm. listening comprehension. If a student can't attend to the auditory information around them, they're not going to be able to learn in school. And so that's really, truly impacting their academics. So when we when we're looking at these students, what are some common issues that, you know, how would a teacher be able to pinpoint whether or not they might need a speech referral? And I, I know that a lot of most students are identified early because, you know, they're, they're, they're identified either in preschool or in early elementary of needing those services. But, and, and usually it's the articulation because they, there's so much more um, obvious, I guess. So what are some of the common issues that you're seeing with the students who have the language issues and where are teachers, um, where do they need to put their focus on what's going on with that student? So with the younger ones, you'll see more like not, not necessarily the late talker anymore, but they might be having limited language. They might be using one word sentences, limited vocabulary. Um, their sentences might not have the, to- the proper flow and it's impacting their ability to, maybe they can't even answer questions. Those are some things that they might see early on. Maybe, but also not being able to follow directions, even if you simplify them. Um, some, sometimes language students, they don't understand the ba- the basic, like they don't understand prepositions. They don't understand grammatical structures. They don't understand past tense, present tense, future tense. It's just really impacted them to be able to comprehend what they're reading and understanding. So a lot of times with the older students, this is what I see when I'm sitting in on my RTI whatever you, I, MTS, whatever people call mm-hmm. it, those type, I, I sit in on the committee that teachers come and say, you know, 
I'm speaking, like I'm saying, that I'm teaching it to them, and, and I don't. They're not grasping. They're they are not able to answer questions based on things they just heard, or their answers are very off the mark. Th- that would be a red flag. A lot of times, I hear often from teachers, they'll say they're just not processing it, and that's when I like to dig a little deeper. Like, what what are they not processing? Because sometimes, is it reading? Is it the ability to physically decode, comprehend? But and that could be a decoding and reading issue. Yes. You know, a lot of times when I say, I always say to the teachers, take the reading piece out. You read to them, use pictures, do something else other than a decodable text. And if they still struggle to answer questions, they still tr- struggle to comprehend or tell speak to you in sentences, that's something that might be something more glaring that you might want to look into. So it could be that they could comprehend, they could read a text, comprehend it and answer maybe questions on a paper, but being able to formulate those answers verbally, that's where you would come in. Or a little bit of both. They might not be able to comprehend the text either, even if it's read to them. So it's not necessarily a reading piece anymore because they're not reading, they're not reading themselves. Someone else is reading to them. And so that listening comprehension piece, they might struggle to comprehend longer lengths of text, some more complex sentence structures. So it's a, it, the speech realm and scope is very wide. And there's a lot, that's why our goals are so over the place. And it can, it can be a big struggle on our part. But uh, yeah, anything that is involving language and listening and vocabulary, sentence, all, answering questions, all those things are where the SLP can come into place and help out. And I've, I feel like having you talk to us is very um, beneficial because, you know, we, when we go through our degrees and a lot of teachers these days don't have any training, you know, they're coming in as interims or they're, you know, long-term subs. So, but the one, the ones of us who have had formal training through college, we have one class in speech and language and that's it. And so we don't understand your role. We don't understand the difference between all the different aspects of of languages. It's very interesting to know that you could see a child um, for reading comprehension just because they it's affecting their language abilities. So what are some ways, I know you said how it affects them in the classroom. What are some ways that you that we can assist in the classroom to help you um, to help you know meet their goals better, that we can work on some of those goals with you? So definitely one thing I find that helps my students is chunking up information. So if you have a student that you either suspect or you know is receiving speech and language services, you can anticipate that more language is going to be challenging for them. So giving multi-step directions is going to be a challenge. And you're going to see that child either acting out, appearing to be dazed off. Like that's, Those are often the other times the students that are maybe impulsive because and they're doing that first step because they don't want to forget it. And they're not trying to be rude. Like a lot of times you can see that. So giving steps auditorily, visually, bringing it down, asking them to repeat it back. It might like, and it might be things that you're doing naturally anyway for all the students in the classroom, but making sure that you're doing it specifically for those students and, and the others can just benefit from it. Um, just, you never know what um, senses are better for them. They're a multi-sensory learner. So just thinking like, outside, like even tactile like wise, like if you're going to be doing an art project, having visually out for them the papers so they can see the steps that they need and they don't have to just recall all the steps. Um, again, with if you're reading or listening to long lengths of text, so I always like to stop after each paragraph or a page if you're doing a chapter book and just checking for understanding. 
You can't just assume just because they're following along that they're following along. And it's not that they're, they, this also can benefit like a lot of your ADHD students as well. So let's, let's do a little bit. And I always have my students like, okay, tell me the main idea. Who is it about? What, what happened to them? And that's our quick check-in that I can say whether or not like, do I need to reread it to them? Do, do they not understand? And that's just a simple way. And then it's whether, and it is using note-taking strategies, graphic organizers for them to not just know how to like answer questions after the text, but I always like to do graphic organizers while we're reading to help them recall and know what to listen for. So it really uh, takes that cognitive overwhelm piece away from my students so that they can really feel successful and not so overwhelmed. Um, and even just teaching them sentence starters to help them get started so it's not so overwhelming for them. Um, just knowing exactly what is expected of them to answer that question. Yeah. And I think a lot of those tips, we need to teach those to our paraprofessionals as well because they're the ones that are usually in those classrooms providing services. And I know, like you said, when when you talk too much, that our parents don't always know that. They they feel like they just need to you know, talk, 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 and they're not giving that child time to process that information. So those are really good tips. So what do you need from us? You know, as, as special education teachers, how can we support your job better? What can we do to help you, whether it's working on IEPs? How can we collaborate better? What What does that look like? Being open and sharing with us what you're seeing. We are only with them 30 minutes twice a week, week three times a week, whatever it might be. We're not with them all day, every day like you are. So we might think we know them. You guys really know them. So don't be afraid to send us an email, uh, send us, you know, pop in whenever and be like, hey, I noticed so-and-so was struggling in math. Do you have any tips for me? Or have you noticed the same thing? Or just sharing like any struggles that they're having in the classroom that maybe we can help out with or something, even a success you're having with that student. Share with that with us because we might be struggling to find that win with them as well. So just realizing you're not alone with that student and not the only one seeing certain things. So we're, we're all on the same page. Sometimes the SLPs just have so many students on their caseload that we just don't have the time to seek you guys out. Or we don't think you guys want to hear from us because we're afraid that you are going to think we're giving you extra work. But in the end, we really are a team. So just having that open dialogue and being comfortable seeking assistance or just sharing a win. Yeah, I I love that. I've currently been on an environmental communication team with a bunch of different SLPs and it's so foreign to me not, you know, working in that position all day every day. So being able to collaborate with some SLPs who are just a huge knowledge base of strategies and materials that that they can provide to you as a special education teacher is just amazing. So I'm glad to hear you say that you want to be a team with us. We all are on, you know, the same page. We all want to help this child progress. So we've got to learn to do better and to, like you said, seek you out and not just assume that we're on two different islands. Totally. Like I want to make sure that if you guys are using a graphic organizer or a visual or something, like I want to incorporate it in my speech room and maybe just scaffold it a little bit deeper and further with my students. Well, Hallie, I am so glad we were able to swap information on each other's shows. I know how important it is for special education teachers to have a collaborative relationship with their SLP. And having you on just gives us tips and that can definitely help us understand your job a little bit better. So can you tell the listeners how we can find you and learn more from you and even maybe look into some of your resources? 
Sure. So you can find me on all social media platforms at Speech Time Fun. My blog is speechtimefun.com where I have tons of resources on all different language goals that you can possibly imagine. I also have my podcast, SLP Coffee Talk, which is on all podcast player systems, channels, whatever you want to call it. I'm on Teachers Pay Teachers at Speech Time Fun, where you can just either search on TPT Speech Time Fun or head to shopspeechtimefun.com to go there directly, where I have tons of resources for older speech students to just teach the different language concepts a little bit differently. And I also have a membership, SLP uh, Elevate, where I provide resources for SLPs working with older speech students. And then you had a visual that you wanted to share with the listeners. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So something I always keep on like a command hook in my office right next to my therapy table is just a way to explicitly teach all the different critical thinking concepts. So teaching my students exactly what to listen for in the vocabulary of the questions and even what vocabulary to incorporate the answers. So so for example, literal versus inferential questions. What makes, what, what, what is the difference and what should I be listening for? What about, um, comparing and contrasting type questions. When I see that kind of question on a comprehension activity, what are some things I can look for to know, oh, that is what is expected of me and how to respond. So I provided, I share with you a link um, to those visual aids that it just, when you're working on that skill explicitly or working on maybe just different ones in general, it's just a a place to refer back to the different language uh, needs of the students that can help them to make it visually, visual for them. Well, I'm definitely going to print that out and give that to all of my teachers so that they can, you know, we, we never have too many resources. And when it when it's in a format like that, when it's on a ring and you have it right there next to your computer, it makes it so much easier to use. And it's in your it's in your site. You know, you can refer to it at any time, whether instead of having to go and dig through something or dig through a file. So I love that. I'm going to print that out for my teachers. Well, I will link everything in the show notes. And so everyone can find you and get that that product. And I just, I truly appreciate you coming on and spending, you know, a few minutes with us to share all about the SLP world. Thank you so much for having me.